are Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is January 1st, 2021. I am your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you can also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at TalkinHockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. If you like what you're hearing today, then be sure to subscribe to the podcast for free wherever you may listen to your podcast, whether that's through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. You'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day, so please be sure to go do that. Also, please go follow our Twitter page, which can be found at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, with some really good content being posted there every day as well. All right, ladies and gentlemen, joining me on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast this afternoon is a special guest. He is a Blackhawks beat writer for the Chicago Sun-Times and a graduate of the local and prestigious Northwestern University, Ben Pope. Thanks for joining me the show today, Ben. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, ready to get 2020 over with only one more day. <laughs> We're very close. Very, very close. close. Uh, so obviously we have a ton of Blackhawks news to get into today. Since we scheduled this conversation last week, it seems like everything that could have gone wrong did somehow, <laughs> but before we get into that, I kind of want to talk about, uh, you and your background a little bit, Ben. I mean, you've been doing a tremendous job on the beat for the Blackhawks since you began. I really mean that you've been killing it. Well, um, thank you. Uh, of course. Uh, and as I said a moment ago, you graduated from Northwestern, but I saw on your Twitter, you're originally, you're a Raleigh native. Did you grow up in uh, North Carolina? Were you a Canes fan? And how did you get into hockey? Yeah, so I did grow up in Raleigh. Um, I was there my whole life until uh, coming to Northwestern for college. Um, and yes, I was a big Canes fan. That's, that's really the main reason that I got into hockey. I was, I guess, uh, nine years old, I think, when they won the Stanley Cup in 06. Uh, and that's kind of the age when you're you're really getting into sports. So I was pretty hooked by that run, and and from that point on, became a, a big fan. And I watched you know every game on TV, and and went to maybe a dozen or so a year. Um, so it was uh, definitely a fun time to be a fan. Well, actually, it wasn't uh, considering <laughs> they had a, a ten-year playoff drought during that time period. But uh, it certainly got me into hockey, um, and uh, it's been really exciting to to manage to uh, find a career in this industry and, and this great sport. Um, so yeah, it's um, definitely enjoyed the ride so far. Yeah. That's, that's kind of a, a similar start to my Blackhawks fandom. They were atrocious throughout my early childhood. And then right when I was getting to the age where I could really appreciate sports, they become really good. And then I get into high school, they win three Stanley cups in six years. And that's really what made me fall in love with the team. So pretty cool to hear that you have a similar story. Uh, what, what led you to Northwestern? Was it just obviously that it's an incredible school or how, how did that all happen? Well, I think when I was, I mean, very young, like maybe 12 years old, I, I thought that uh, sports writing was something I wanted to do. And I guess that's not an uncommon uh, sort of dream for a, a young teenager <laughs> to have. But uh, I, I think I Googled uh, best journalism schools and Northwestern <laughs> number one on whatever uh, list I clicked on. So I was like, well, I guess I'm going there. Um, 
So I guess <laughs> I had never, you know, been to Chicago or, or to Northwestern. I, I don't think I even knew where Evanston was. Um, but I guess that I just sort of identified that as the number one goal from that point on and, and eventually was able to visit and, and find out that it was indeed somewhere I could see myself uh, spending four years and somewhere I wanted to go. Um, and it just worked out. Yeah, well, and, sorry, yeah. continue. No, that was the end of the story. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. That's literally the same thing that happened with me, and that's how I got to the University of Missouri. I only wanted to go into sports writing or do something sports-related, and Missouri happened to have a good journalism school. I I'd never visited until, like, right before I decided to go, and bam, all of a sudden, <laughs> here we are, four years. Uh, but you picked a pretty good spot, Northwestern, on – uh, Evanston is really an awesome part right outside the city. Um, so I think you did a good job. Uh, you graduated. I appreciate it. You did too. I, uh, this is quite the journalism rivalry. Absolutely. Right. Right. Uh, so you graduate from Northwestern, then you go and join the Chicago sun times, become a beat writer for the Chicago Blackhawks. I mean, not to toot our own horn or anything but it's one of the biggest franchises and one of the largest fan bases in the entire league what was it a little nerve-wracking jumping onto the beat right away or, or were you comfortable and trusting your skills and it was just going to be a lot of fun no it absolutely was nerve-wracking uh, to begin with I mean uh, I'm definitely the youngest person on the beat uh, oh yeah in some cases by you know 20 30 years so uh, I was I was a little overwhelmed at first uh, I I know i Coming in, I was I was confident that I, I knew about hockey and could do a good job, but certainly just uh, fitting in and improving myself was was a tall challenge. Um, and uh, you know, talking to some of the players uh, that I grew up watching was the first few times was also intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> there was one moment I was uh, was doing a story in training camp last season about Zach Smith's love of rock music, which was a really fun story, and I enjoyed doing it, but. Uh, you know, he, he suggested I talk to Taves for it because Taves is the, the DJ in the locker room. And okay. that was one of the first time I talked to Taves and I was asking him about it and I was a little nervous. You can probably tell. <laughs> um, but uh, then he started asking me about the kind of music I like. Um, and I feel like that was kind of the moment where I felt like uh, I could do this and, you know, get along with players and, and do all the necessary things to, to be a beat reporter. Um, so I guess that was kind of the moment when, when things started changing, you know, a few months into the, the tenure. Oh, that's so cool. Is that, has that been like your, your biggest, like wow moment so far since being on the beat? Like, like you said, you knew that was the moment where you're like, all right, I could do this. Like, has there been any other moments that like stand out to you? I know you're around the players a fair amount, but is there, besides that, has there been another moment where you're like, wow, this is so freaking cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be one of them. Uh, there was, there was one moment maybe a month or two into the season um, when we had a little scrum around Kirby Dock, it wasn't the full uh, crowd that there normally is, or maybe four or five of us. And, and someone asked, I had asked a question, then someone else asked a question that was kind of similar to mine, I guess. And, and Kirby's referenced, you know, like Ben's question. And I don't think, I didn't even know he knew my name. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that was, I guess, another moment that was, was uh, instilled some pride, uh, made me feel like I was a little bit more established. Um, and then I feel like the, the biggest wild moments have just been, uh, I guess it's been a while since these have happened, but just, you know, covering games, being there in person to see uh, so many, you know, great atmospheres or amazing goals or comebacks. Um, I feel like that's the, the most rewarding and exciting part yeah. of the job for me. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, my conversation with Ben Pope will continue in just a moment. But first, I need to talk to you all about betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action by going to betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts, and use our promo code LOCKEDON, one word in all caps, to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Are you ready for some football? College football heads into bowl season, and there are some big matchups this weekend. Plus, the NFL regular season is finishing up with the playoff picture becoming clearer every week. And there is only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, betonline.ag. You can also visit our good friends and our exclusive partner on social media at betonline underscore ag to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and be sure to use our promo code LOCKEDON, one word in all caps, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Wow, it sounds like it's been really awesome so far. And as I said earlier, Ben, you're doing a really awesome job. Me and my buddies who I've been watching the Blackhawks with for the past 10, 12 years, we've been watching them together. And obviously, Mark, La- uh, Mark Lazarus has been around since forever, so we've been following him. Uh, but we were actually just talking last week about how, how you've jumped on and you've been a, a really good addition. So I just want to say again, you've been doing a really awesome job. Well, I really appreciate it. That's, that's uh, great to hear. And I know there's some, some really good reporters on this beat uh, and I enjoy you know, working next to and competing with. Um, so it means a lot that, uh, that you think I'm offering uh, coverage of, of equal or better quality. So thank you. Yeah, you, you've been doing great. Uh, you ready to get into some Blackhawks news? Of course, always. All righty. So um, kind of tough to figure out where to start. But in the last week, Ben, any hopes of success in 2021 for the Blackhawks have taken a huge hit. Kirby Doc's out four to five months. Alex Nylander's out four to six months. Jonathan Taze is out indefinitely with an illness. Uh, I guess I'll start with Doc. Obviously, the fan base is pretty upset with the decision to send him to the World Juniors. What's your whole take uh, on this situation? I think they were, they were right to send him to World Juniors. And I know I've seen a lot of varying opinions on Twitter and elsewhere about this, but uh, injuries can happen anytime. I mean, you, you look at Nylander, uh, it happened in the playoffs, but then he re-aggravated it, uh, made it sort of necessary to have surgery just in, in normal training. Uh, it wasn't like he was in any big tournament or anything. And, and then Taves, um, not even an injury, just an illness that kind of has come out of nowhere, nothing he could have done about it. All that is to say that, you know, things can happen anytime. And uh, mm-hmm. while maybe it slightly increases the odds for him to go to World Juniors, I think it's, it's a, wor- a risk worth taking entering it, considering the, the huge role he was going to have on one of the biggest stages in hockey, uh, captaining Team Canada in the World Juniors. And it wasn't going to take him away from any Blackhawks uh, practices or games, considering the NHL season isn't underway yet. Uh, I think it was a, probably a pretty clear choice entering the tournament you know a month or two ago to send him and it's just really unfortunate the way things panned out uh, it looked like a pretty innocent hit even um, i know but uh I, I don't fault the blackhawks for sending him i think uh, it was the right thing to do and it's just a, a really unfortunate fluky outcome yeah I, I still think it was the right call i just think all the potential positives outweighed the negative potential outcomes and like you said it was a kind of a fluke injury it, it looked like you know a hit that wasn't really much of anything, just a collision at center ice. Um, 
I agree. I still think it was the right decision by the Blackhawks. I know fans are upset, especially because the New York Rangers held back Lafreniere and Capo Caco. Um, one thing I have been thinking about, though, would you still, if the Blackhawks knew about Jonathan Taze's situation before sending Kirby Doc to the World Juniors, like if, if they knew Taze could potentially be facing, you know, missing time in the regular season. Do you think you would have still sent Kirby if you were the Blackhawks? Yeah, I think I feel like I would have. And I think they may have known about Taze's situation before that. Uh, I know Stan Bowman said on the Blackhawks Talk podcast yesterday that this isn't just the past few weeks that Taze's right. symptoms have shown up. This has been a longer time period. Um, so I, I feel like they probably did know. And the reason I would send him, if this Blackhawks team – had legitimate, you know, championship aspirations or even looked like a sort of slightly higher than 50% playoff <laughs> team entering the season, uh, I think you you might have some reservations about sending him because you don't want to risk having losing your top two centers. But considering what this, this year is going to be about, which is just, you know, developing the youth and, and figuring out the right combinations moving forward and and really there isn't a whole lot of hope of achieving much notable this season. Uh, I don't think uh, Taves' absence would really impact the decision-making on Doc, even though, you know, they are two centers and and would be your top two if they're both healthy, as you said. Okay. But what a a scary situation. Forget hockey, but just as a human being, the symptoms and what we've been hearing that Jonathan Taves is experiencing right now, I – couldn't imagine feeling that way and going through what he's going through. I don't want to speculate on anything because obviously we don't know what he's dealing with. Um, but by chance, I was wondering, did you hear that clip from Pierre Maguire on TSN Tuesday morning before like the Taze news kind of became official? Did you hear that by chance? So the, yes, I did hear the Pierre clip and that, <laughs> that clip has been uh, quite taken out of context, I believe. Um, First of all, it was on Christmas Eve that he said that, uh, which was five days before the announcement, I believe. And yeah. then it, it popped up a couple times. I saw it, I guess, on Christmas Day afternoon, um, sort of being presented as if he had just said it. And then I know there were some tweets um, the morning of the Taze announcement uh, that uh, he had just said it. And then I, when I heard it on Christmas Day, I followed up with Taze's agent um, and I didn't hear back, and I guess that's because something was going mm-hmm. on. But at the time, I didn't really um, believe it too much just because of how much Pierre walked it back. And I'm still not entirely <laughs> sure if he actually knew what was going on or if he just uh, got the Nylander news confused and, and happened to to land on a person who was also experiencing right. issues. I, I don't really know what the backstory of that is, and it's been uh, inciting my curiosity, but... Um, yeah, same. I wasn't sure because he said he heard Taze was going to be out four to six months. And like you said, that's the diagnosis for Nylander. So it was just kind of a weird situation that was going on. And it, of course, got blown up right when the day they announced that Taze was out. Made everything a little bit more confusing. Yes, yeah, it was. that definitely was an odd uh, sort of subplot to this whole thing. But, but to your original point, it certainly is scary and uh, for Taze, and I feel for him. Um, you know, it seems like he's not really sure either exactly what this is, and, and that's got to be scary. And you just have to hope that it turns out to be something minor um, that he can recover from in time for later this season or next season and doesn't turn out to be some sort of major life issue for him because certainly that, that does come first in any right. situation like this. 
Of course. And with the Blackhawks, you know, in this rebuilding phase and now without Doc, it's taken a bigger hit. I just really don't see, unless Taze really is 100%, even more than 100% able to come back, I just don't really see any reason to rush him back or even mess around with it this year. You think it's kind of fair to to think he could be out for the entire 2021 season? I know we don't really know the injury, but just with everything that's going on with the Blackhawks, it doesn't really seem like it would make sense to to put Taze on the ice. We have nothing really that we're trying to win this year. Yeah, I think that that's probably right. Uh, once he, he figures out what it is, once he gets a diagnosis, I guess it'll be clearer to, to figure out exactly what the timeline will be and, and what it should be. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he missed the whole year, uh, especially considering what you're saying about this not being a particularly uh, highly important season in mm-hmm. terms of winning for the Blackhawks. So no Taze. No Doc, and Dylan Strom still does not have a contract. Other than uh, what Stan Bowman has been saying publicly the last week or so, they're still in negotiations, yada, yada. Uh, have you heard anything about Dylan Strom and his contract? And do you think the Blackhawks could actually start the season without Strom? Well, I've talked to, to Strom's agent a bit. Um, he, he changed agents this offseason, mm-hmm. his prior agent. Yeah, I heard about the that. The industry. Um, and his new agent seems pretty uh, optimistic about it, I guess saying similar things to what Bowman has said. Okay. Um, I, I think it's, it's largely been an issue of that earlier in the offseason, Strom really didn't have much leverage. Uh, he, he didn't have arbitration rights. Uh, he didn't have the best season last year, especially the latter half of it, uh, because he, he rushed back from his injury a little bit too soon, I think you would admit. And uh, so I thought that, that Strom was kind of in a tough place trying to get more than, uh, you know, a, a pretty cheap, not too different than his yeah. entry-level contract uh, to prove that he could do. Um, so I, I'm not surprised that he waited um, just because, uh, you know, it's hard, to, it's hard to get worse than that, I guess, considering the lack of leverage he had. And now he has a lot more leverage. I mean, they, they don't have Taves. They don't have right. Doc. Strom would probably be the first-line center uh, if he was under contract and the season started right now. So uh, now he does have leverage, and now the tables have kind of turned. And I wish I could hear what those negotiations <laughs> I bet they have changed quite a bit. Um, so I think it's possible that he's not there for the start of camp. I know he's in Chicago, and so there's no quarantining issue. Uh, if they sign him two hours before camp starts, he could be there. Um, but uh, the way things are going and the way we've been waiting for so long for this, uh, it's certainly possible they could start camp without him. And, and maybe they could start the season without him. I, I'd be surprised if, if it got to that point because it doesn't seem like things are, are too hostile or tense right now. It's just more of uh, each side trying to get what's best for them financially. Okay. Uh, but, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, hopefully they're able to get something soon. Uh, training camps starting on Monday. Um, so in the top six for the Blackhawks, it, it's kind of a mystery right now. We don't know what's going on with Taze. Strom still needs a new contract. We're going to figure out what's going on with Carl Soderberg and where he's going to slot in. Um, but in the bottom six, there's a pretty big, big log jam uh, heading into training camp. I was wondering, Ben, who do you see potentially squeezing in those, you know, final bottom six spots? There's a bunch of guys down there, Smith. Highmore, Camp, Carpenter. We just added Yanmark and Walmart, P.S. Suter. There's a lot of names. Who do you think has uh, the edge right now? Well, uh, it's, it's going to be exciting to see how that sorts out. Um, 
maybe not for the the casual fan because I don't think the bottom six of this team is going to matter too much. But <laughs> uh, covering on a day to day basis, there are a lot of different ways this could end up going. Uh, right. It'll be interesting, especially in a condensed camp the way we have. I know uh, to see how it sorts out. There are a lot of guys. I, I went through and counted um, the other day, and I feel like there's probably 35 players under Hawks contract who could be uh, viably uh, NHL ready or, or NHL caliber. So there's actually a lot of depth in this team, even though they're right. probably not going to be very good. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I'm excited to see the, the new faces and what they can bring. Uh, I think Yanmark and Walmark uh, come in with, with pretty interesting advanced stats from their prior tenures and, and could help the, the defensive responsibility of this forward group. Uh, Pia Suter, after we saw what Kubalik did last year, I mean, the sky's the limit for him. Uh, it's going to be really exciting to see uh, if he turns out to be anything near what Kubalik was or, or if he yeah. goes more the Anton Vadin route of just uh, being, being a nobody. <laughs> there's, there's a huge range of outcomes for that. Um, and then even guys like Brandon Hagel, I've been pretty high on him for a while. I think he, he had a really good season last year. And, and while maybe he's not a, a top six future guy, just his work ethic and responsibility could make him a pretty solid role player, kind of in the Kajula mold, but hopefully less injury mm-hmm. prone. Uh, so I hope the Hawks get him some NHL time this year and see what he can do. And then even Philip Kurashev, uh, another Oops. exciting prospect. Um, and with the center depth issues right now, uh, this could end up giving him an opportunity sooner than expected. So yeah, there's a lot of names in there and, It'll be interesting to see who ends up in the the opening day lineup. All right, my conversation with Ben Pope will continue in just a moment. But first, I need to talk to you all about Bilt Bar, which is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Bilt Bar has a ton of awesome flavors like peanut butter brownie, salted caramel, German chocolate cake. And they also have six new flavors, which are caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. All of which, like the other 12 flavors, are covered in 100% real chocolate and are soft, easy to chew, and great for the keto diet. Not only are all the bars low calorie and low sugar, but they're also a great source for protein and fiber. So make sure to go to BuiltBar.com today and use our promo code LOCKEDON in all caps to get 20% off your next order. One more time, be sure to check out BuiltBar.com for a delicious and healthy snack option and use our promo code LOCKEDON in all caps for 20% off your next Built Bar order. And then as big of a logjam as there is on forwards, there's it's pretty similar on defense. We got Duncan Keith coming back, Connor Murphy. We went out and traded Brandon Saad for Nikita Zadorov. Calvin DeHaan's still here. And then there's all the young guys. There's Adam Boquist, Ian Mitchell, Lucas Carlson, Wyatt Kalanuck, Nicholas Bodan. I know some of those guys will begin in the AHL, but it's still a lot of defensemen to have. And I didn't even mention Brent Seabrook. Uh, ben, what do you think the Blackhawks' plans are with Seabrook this season? And would you agree that just on paper, it really looks like either Calvin DeHaan or Connor Murphy, one of them are going to have to be moved at some point. Yeah, I mean, I should clarify when I said 36 guys who are NHL caliber, uh, that included defensemen. So, um, yes, it's certainly just much of a logjam on the back end. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out there, too. 
as far as Seabrook goes, uh, I haven't uh, certainly I haven't been super uh, keyed in to his situation the past few months. He's been keeping a, a pretty low profile mm-hmm. since participating in camp. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if uh, he's noticeably better than he was in camp uh, or than he was the past few seasons for that matter. Uh, and if he can get back into a, a regular nightly role uh, or if there are any tensions with the playing staff, with the coaching right. staff, because uh, that definitely was a theme uh, last season. And then, yeah, the young guys, the young guys will be interesting. I think Kalanuk is a guy that, that hasn't gotten a lot of attention, but I believe the Blackhawks uh, saw him as, as close to NHL ready and, and uh, told him that uh, he could expect to see some NHL time this year when they signed him out of Wisconsin. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see uh, how much of a role he can make immediately. I feel like he's got a little, a bit of a dark horse here. And then obviously all the eyes are going to be on Mitchell. Um, he's been hyped for years and uh, uh, finally signs a contract finally in the mm-hmm. NHL and he has high expectations to live up to. So we'll see what kind of role they put him in to start. And if that increases over the course of the year, and then, yeah, you're probably right. Some of these veterans uh, could be smart to move. I think uh, Murphy is, is arguably the best defenseman on the team. I agree. Uh, very underrated. So it wouldn't surprise me to see DeHaan moved for the third time in this four-year contract. Um, but uh, I guess Murphy could be moved, too, if, if they were going to get a really appealing package back because I think his, his value is pretty high right now. So, yeah, I mean, there's no uh, shortage of storylines uh, as far as the roster battles and depth chart throughout this team, despite the – the relatively low expectations for their overall success. And you mentioned last year that there was a little bit of a theme where Seabrook, he doesn't want to be a seventh, the seventh defenseman, but just looking at how everything's all going to play out, it seems like some nights that's the role he's going to be in. Do you think that, again, is going to be talked about a lot this season? I, I feel like it's really up to Seabrook. Um, Last season, it was talked about a lot because uh, he talked about it several times publicly. I remember once in Carolina, uh, he talked about it, and again in Nashville a few nights later, and then uh, after training camp this past fall, uh, his his comments suggested some tension. Um, so if if he keeps talking about it and keeps insisting that that he needs to be in the top six every night, then it's going to be a huge issue. <laughs> um, but if if he accepts more of a, a seventh defenseman, uh, sort of every two games plays and, and being more of a mentor than a, a huge on-ice player, uh, then then I think it will work out fine. I think ideally that's probably the role the Hawks would want him to be in. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see exactly what ends up happening with that situation. Yeah, it's, it's a really tough spot for a respected guy like Brent Seabrook to be in. You know, he's been the locker room leader over the past decade. Obviously, he's done so much on the ice for the Blackhawks. He was Mr. Overtime during the Dynasty era. Uh, and it really puts the Blackhawks kind of in a tough spot to decide what to do. But ultimately, I, I do think they would like him to accept that seventh defenseman role and kind of be a, a mentor for these young guys who are coming in. Because one thing I will say is... When young guys are up at the NHL with the Blackhawks, they want them to play. They don't want them to be, you know, just practicing. And Bowman talked about that the other day when he jumped on the Blackhawks talk podcast. So it's going to be a tough mix of uh, – It's I should say it's going to be tougher if Seabrook isn't willing to handle that role. I think it'll be smooth if he accepts it, but it's going to be interesting to see how he handles it once it becomes uh, a thing in the regular season. Yeah, I agree with you there for sure. Uh, so plenty of question marks surrounding the Blackhawks heading into training camp and arguably 
Ben, the biggest one is in net. What do you think? Well, I want to start this off with what, what do you think about the one year ago today? The Blackhawks had both Robin Leonard and Corey Crawford, and now one year later, they don't have either one going forward. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I certainly did not foresee this happening. Uh, and I think both situations, they really didn't maximize the value that could have gotten out of them. Uh, I thought the, the Leonard trade at the deadline was uh, just a really underwhelming return, similar to the Saab right. trade, and, and they could have done better with that. And, and then I get that circumstances change, and this has been a chaotic year, but I feel like if you're going to let Crawford leave, uh, you, you might as well trade him uh, and get the most you can. Get out something of him. for him. Yeah, or at least, uh, even if you're not going to trade him, just handle the whole free agency departure better. It seems so uh, disjointed and sudden, and, and I know Crawford didn't expect the Hawks to, to move on from him right um, until you know a day before so he said he was heartbroken I saw somewhere which is tough to read yeah yeah I, I, the whole goalie situation has been a bit mismanaged and and I'll, I think Bowman gets a, a tough rap in some regards I think fans are harder on him in some areas than he sh- they should be but uh, I think this is one area where he deserves some criticism uh, I feel like with both of them it just wasn't handled particularly well um, I do think that they were probably right to not bring in um, you know, some veteran goalie mm-hmm. this season. Uh, the way this year looks like a wash anyway, you might as well figure out what you have in these young guys who have been sort of stuck in the AHL for the past few years. So uh, I don't fault them for doing that. And it's, it's like every other position group that we've been talking about. It's going to be interesting to see what uh, happens and, and who, it's, who ends up becoming the clear starter if there is one. Yeah, it's going to be a battle in training camp. Colin Delia, Malcolm Subban, and Kevin Lankin and duking it out. Uh, what were your thoughts on the decision to bring Subban back? I know most Blackhawks fans knew that Delia and Lankin were going to you know, get their shot in training camp to get the job, uh, but I don't think many people expected the Hawks to bring back Malcolm Subban this offseason. Yeah, I was a little surprised about that. I think one thing to note is that uh, you know, in training camp in July, before – they knew that, that Crawford would be back from COVID in time for the playoffs. There was basically Subban versus Delia part one, uh, and Subban won right. that battle. I mean, he Crawford came back, so it didn't end up mattering, but Subban was the backup in Edmonton, and, and Delia was basically just sitting in his hotel room the whole time. So uh, I feel like that probably factored in. I know talking uh-huh. to Delia this fall, he said that uh, he's been dealing with some personal issues this the past year with uh, his wife's – or girlfriend's unexpected preg- pregnancy and, and the birth of his son and then missing his son's first few months of life uh, while he was in the bubble. So I know that's been weighing on Ooh. him and, and he feels like now it's behind him and he's in a, a good headspace and his family life is in order. And uh, it's sort of, uh, things are coming together for him uh, at the right time entering the season. Uh, but it, it must be said that, that Subban beat him in that first battle last training camp. And um, I think that that has to be noted entering this training camp. Um, so that it makes sense that they brought in Subban for that mm. reason. I still would put Delia as my odds-on favorite to be the starter on opening night and, and for at least the start of the NHL season uh, until they can see how things sort out uh, just because of the, the competency he showed a couple of years ago and the struggles that Subban's right. had at the NHL level the past few years. And just that if I feel like higher ceiling-wise, Delia is probably a better bet because we know more of what Subban is. But uh, it'll be a close battle, I imagine. 
Yeah, I think Subban might have the edge to start out the year just because he has a little bit more NHL experience. But I do agree. I think this is Colin Delia's net to take over at some point. And I think by the end of the year, hopefully he'll be playing well enough to earn that job. Uh, All right, one last question before I let you go, Ben. Do you think the Blackhawks will finish below the Detroit Red Wings in the standings this season? (laughs) I... I would say they will finish above Detroit um, just uh, in terms of a percentage guess, but I wouldn't be surprised if they finished below. You know, hockey's just an, such an unpredictable sport. Uh, writing about Carl Soderberg a few days ago, uh, he was part of that incredible Colorado turnaround a few years ago when mm-hmm. they had 22 wins one season and 43 wins the next season. Um, and I don't think anyone saw that coming. So you never know what's going to happen in hockey and, and teams that are supposed to be terrible end up good and, and vice versa, like the Sharks last year all the time. So who knows what will happen. <laughs> but I would say going into the year, I probably have Chicago 7th in the Central and, and Detroit 8th. Um, but, but we'll see exactly how that, how that goes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Ben Pope. Ben, thank you again for joining me on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast this afternoon. I really appreciate it. Keep up the great work. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up my interview with Blackhawks beat writer Ben Pope. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to subscribe and to follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, ask your smart device to play the Lockdown Bets podcast. Every day, your boy Q and Lee Sterling provide you with the biggest locks, must-hit parlays, plus which teams to fade across all professional sports. Be sure to give Lockdown Bets a listen wherever you get your podcasts, plus make sure to check out betonline.ag to see all the lines and odds for any game you want to win money on. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I am your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, or my Blackhawks account, at TalkinHockey, for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. Don't forget that the next episode of Lockdown Blackhawks is Mailbag Monday, so for any questions at all regarding anything related to the show, you can always email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can hit me on one of my Twitter accounts, or you can call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until Monday's episode, everyone, enjoy your weekend responsibly, and thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.